Amen, amen. Thank you, Mike. Uh, well, good morning, church. I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, uh, go ahead and turn one more time to the book of Luke chapter 7. Verses 1 through 10, we've been, uh, past couple weeks, we've been going through this passage of scripture, talking about the centurion and his sick servant, and, uh, uh, and how Jesus operated there and, and, and did that. And so uh, uh, this week, uh, Pastor Mark asked if I take one more time and uh, look at this passage of scripture one more time. There's so much here, so much we, we could talk about it forever, uh, but you guys uh, might get a little antsy if we do that, so we try not to. Uh, but there's so many incredible things that we can see in this passage of Scripture. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about specifically about the centurion. We kind of got to know who he was and what kind of uh, guy he was, what God was doing in his life. And this week, Pastor Mark asked if I would take a few moments with you and look at, as we look at this story and this passage of Scripture and see what we learn about Christ. What are some of the characteristics of Jesus that we can see on display here in this story? So uh, that's what I want to attempt to do with you today. Uh, it is in no way an, an exhaustive list. It's just some of the things that kind of stood out the most to me. Uh, Pastor Mark sent me a huge list of all kinds of stuff that he saw, and I'm like, yeah, that's too smart for me. We're going we're gonna to shrink it down, dumb it down for me a little bit, okay? So I, I hope that's okay with you guys. So let's look one more time at Luke chapter 7. The, the uh, title of my message this morning is A Question of Worthiness. And, and I think you would see as we look through this passage, there is this question of worthiness that comes up. Who is worthy? And I'll just tell you right now at the, 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 the end of the message, it's Jesus, right? Mitch, Mitch is on it. It's, it's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who is truly worthy. Now, we know that in our heads, but we don't always display it in our hearts. We know, as followers of Christ, that Jesus is the one who is worthy. However, oftentimes, lots of other things try to take that place of worthiness in our hearts and in our minds. Luke chapter 7 says this, starting in verse 1, After he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I did not presume to uh, come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turning to the crowd that followed him said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Bow your heads if you would and let's pray together. Dearly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come into your presence this morning and to hear your word and to study your word. And we ask today that you would help us to be good stewards of your word, that we would uh, not be, grow complacent, but Lord, that we would hunger for you. God, that we would hunger for the word of God, realizing, Lord, that this is, God, this is what, what, where life comes from. Jesus, we just ask, God, that you give us a passion for your word. We thank you for that, God. Holy Spirit, come minister to each and every single heart that's here. Let your will be accomplished, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So a few things that I would like to point out that, that I see uh, some characteristics about Jesus. The, the first thing I see here about Christ is that he is humble. He walks in complete and total humility. It says in verse 4 that when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, 
He is worthy to have you do this for him, speaking of the centurion. For he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. When I I read that and I think about it, I can't help but kind of laugh a little bit, all right? Because just picture this with me for a moment. So the, the, the elders, they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, we need you to do us a favor, okay? And, and really, we need you to help out this Roman centurion. And yeah, yeah, he's a Roman, but he's a good guy. And man, he, he listen, he, you won't believe this, Jesus, but he, he's worthy of this. He's worthy of you. He's worthy of your attention. He's worthy of your blessing. He's worthy because, listen, here's the thing. He loves our nation, and he built us our synagogue. Isn't that amazing that he would do that? He's worthy of you. And I can't help but kind of laugh because, honestly, I don't want to be too critical of the elders, but they're really ignorant here with Jesus. Because they go to him and they say, this guy's worthy because he built us our synagogue. And sure, they love their synagogue and they're proud of their synagogue. And I'm sure it's a beautiful synagogue. But think about this for a moment. (laughs) Jesus is God in the flesh. He's Emmanuel, God with us. So they're going to not just a carpenter's son, right? They're not just going to a rabbi. They are going literally to the creator of everything, right? This is the guy who, who breathed his life into our lungs. This is the guy who spoke and the stars and the planets and the sun and the moon all of a sudden went, okay, we're going to form because you said so, Right? All of creation responded simply to his voice. And they go to him and say, this guy is worthy of you, O great creator, because he put some bricks on top of each other. What? Jesus built, he built everything. He built all of creation. And yet, they don't think they fully realized who they were speaking to. And so they go to him and say, yeah, but this guy's worthy. It's, it's, it's crazy to think that, right? Like, 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 that's like me going to like Leonardo da Vinci and saying, hey, Leo, I know everybody's super excited about the, the angry lady that you, you painted, right? But have you seen what I've done? Thank you. Come on now, right? Like, like hey, you're an artist? I'm an artist, right? Right? We both, we both made a beautiful painting, and, and therefore, I'm worthy, right? This should hang right next to old Lisa, and we can put it in the museum, and everybody will give us a bunch of money, and we'll be famous forever, right? That's insane. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. No one would do that. No one would go, hey, this is just as good. No, they wouldn't think that. They wouldn't say, hey, I'm worthy because I can make a stick figure. I mean, I like it. (laughs) I'm proud of it. My mom thinks it's cool, you know. She's going to put it on the fridge later. I'm sure of it. But for me to think that I would be worthy to be, you know, in the same level or the same category as a famous great painter is ridiculous. It's laughable. And see, the truth is, is that's kind of like what these elders were doing with Jesus. Hey, yeah, you built all of creation, but he built some bricks. He's worthy. And the reality of it is, is that's a joke. It's laughable. Honestly, it's kind of offensive, right? It's, kind, it's, it's completely ignorant and arrogant and just like all the things, right? And yet what I love about this is that Jesus doesn't get angry, He doesn't set him straight. He doesn't go, wait a second, do you know who I am? No, he doesn't do any of that. In fact, what he does is he simply goes with them. And they didn't deserve that, especially after failing to recognize who he truly is, yet he still went with them. Why? Because Jesus walked in humility. He responded to them in humility and thank God that Christ responds to us so often despite our ignorance despite our arrogance with complete beautiful selfless humility Philippians chapter 2 says 
who, speaking of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So, so church, we, real, we realize today that Jesus is the ultimate humble servant, that he walks in complete humility, and thank God for that. The second characteristic I see about Jesus is that even though he is humble and he walks in this humility, he is sovereign as well. And, and, and so we see that he is sovereign. In, in verse 5, they are talking to Jesus and they're talking about the centurion as this, for he loves our nation and he is the one who built us our synagogue. So here's the elders, and they come to Jesus, and they're talking about this guy is worthy, and the reason for his worthiness is this physical thing that he had done, this tangible building that he had built. And so they're going, and they're like, man, and it's not just an ordinary building. Man, this is the building that we use for worship. Right, this is a building that we use to hear the word of God. This is the building where we come to pray. So it's a special building. It's a holy building. It's a, it's a great building. And, and so uh, they come to him and they say, man, this is the thing. And there's this physical thing that we can look at and point to that say that this guy is worthy. But, G, but, but church, I think that's oftentimes, well, I think what's going on is that these religious people, the elders, had fallen into the same trap that you and I often fall into. And that's the fact that it becomes really easy for us to get consumed with the physical thing and miss the bigger spiritual thing. Yeah. It's the physical versus the spiritual because the reality of it is, is, is we can see the physical, right? We can, we can feel it, we can touch it, it's right there in front of us. And so as a result, oftentimes we forget that not only are we a part of this very real physical world, but we are also a part of a very real spiritual world as well. Yeah, and, and we forget that. We forget it. It's, it's easy to do so. We, don't, we can't always see it. We don't always realize it's there. And we get distracted and focus on the physical thing. And as a result, we miss oftentimes, I think, the greater spiritual thing that Jesus is doing. And so the elders, they come to Jesus and they're bragging about this physical church that they have. This physical building, but yet they miss the greater spiritual work that Jesus is doing. And we do this. We get consumed with life because life is consuming, right? We get, we get focused on, on work and school and kids and, and, and chores and all, and just trying to keep up with the hustle. And all the while, we forget God is sovereign in it. God has a plan in it all. And we don't always see it. We don't always recognize it. But God is doing his plan. God is working out his plan, whether we, we know it or not. And we don't often. We miss it. But Ephesians chapter 6 tells us in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are often spending a lot of time wrestling with all of the physical things and we're forgetting about the greater spiritual things. It's, it's there. It's there, but how many, how, how many of you guys have had this happen to you where you're looking for something, right? Like maybe you're late for work and can't find your car keys and you're running around the house, and you're, you're looking everywhere, trying to figure out where you put them, and you're accusing everybody else for touching them when they shouldn't have, and moving them, and, and then all of a sudden you realize like they were right in the obvious place the whole time, you know? Please tell me that I'm not the only one that's done that, right? Yeah? Or how about like you're on your phone, and you're searching everywhere for your phone while you're talking to someone? You're like, where'd my phone go? And then you're like, oh, I'm the worst person ever. It happens. We, we have a tendency to miss things that are right in front of us. My wife does this to me. I think she does it on purpose. Just to mess with my head. Because she'll ask me to find things that I never even knew existed, let alone we owned them and they were in our house. You know what I mean? 
Because she'll like, yeah, right, right? So she'll, 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 she'll like be cooking dinner or something, for example, and, and uh, she'll be like needing something. And so she'll be like, Trevor, I, I'm, I'm trying to cook dinner. I'm like out of some spices or something. Uh, would you go get me some, some paprika, right? You guys know what that is? That's a thing, right? Okay, good. I don't know what it is, but it's a thing. It's fun to say, paprika. I don't know how to say it without like saying it like that. Paprika, you know, like, like. anyways. So she'll be like, hey, will you go? I, I'm out of paprika. I need, would you go get me some paprika? And I'm just like, what? Like, what are you saying, woman? Like, speak English, you know? And she's like, paprika, I need some spices. It's down in the, in the, in the food closet downstairs. It's like, oh, okay. And like, she like, says it to me like, what is wrong with you? Of course you know what I'm saying. And so I'm just like, oh, yeah, I use paprika all the time, you know? And so, so I go downstairs, and I walk down, and, and we have a little closet, food closet, and I, I open the closet. Immediately, I'm just hit with this spike of anxiety because I just stepped into a world that I do not belong in. Like this, I don't belong here, you know? I could just, immediately, there's, there's smells, there's things. I don't know what any of this stuff is, you know? I don't know what, what to do. I'm completely lost, a stranger in a foreign land. And so I'm, I'm looking around, and there's, there's bins with stuff in it. And I don't know what any of it is. And there's bags with stuff in it. And there's shelves with bins with things in them, you know? And there's just, just oh, oh, and I'm, I don't know what any of this stuff is. And so I'm looking around, and I'm just like, I'm, what am I supposed to do, you know? Listen, ladies, can I, can I I'll give you a hint? If you want to have better communication in your marriage, don't assume that we ever know what you're saying. All right, you have to talk to us, like, details, please, details, lots and lots of details, because I don't know, like, don't assume, all right? So I'm down there, I'm like, I'm, I don't know what to do, I'm lost. So I look around, I go back up, I'm like, uh, Babe, I, you know, I, I think we're out. We're out of paprika. I don't know what it is. We're out. We're out of it. We'll have to go. You'll have to use it. And, you, know, can't, you can't use it. And she's like, no, there's paprika. I just got some yesterday. I put it down there myself. I put it in there. You're not looking, you know? And then I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, are you sure? Because I did look. I, I swear. I looked everywhere. And she's like, no, I know it's down there. If I go down there and find it, I'm going to murder you, right? So they, no, 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 I'll look again, I'll look again. I think you're, I think you're mistaking, but I'll look again. So I go back downstairs, and I, I, I look again. And so this time, I'm like, well, I better put a little bit more effort in. So I'm like pulling out some bends, and I'm looking in some things. And again, I don't know what any of this stuff is. Everything says great value. Every, everything's a great value. I don't understand. And so I'm looking everywhere, and then I see this grocery bag on the floor. And in this bag is another bag. And, in this and on this bag, it says on it, organic Cheetos. And my brain explodes out of my head because I'm like, organic Cheetos? This is freaking me out because I'm like 90% sure there's no Cheeto tree out there. And yet here it is. And it says organic Cheetos, all natural, baby. Like they, this, they just harvested these or something, right? I mean, I thought they made them in a lab, produced them in a factory. But no, I mean, they can't put it on the label if it's not true, right? And so I'm like, dude, this is changing my life. Because if it's organic, it's good for you, right? So like Cheetos are now good. And so I opened the Cheetos. And they are delicious. This is great. I can eat these. Goodbye, bananas. I'm on Cheeto diet now. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is great. And so I'm just loving Cheetos. I'm like, Darian, there's no propica, but we got some organic Cheetos. So I go upstairs, and I'm just so excited. Right? Like, this is great. Like, and like I just discovered something that no one else had known about. Right? Apparently, it's been around for a minute, but I didn't know that. And so I go upstairs, like, just find the paprika. I'm like, no, but babe, did you know that they have organic Cheetos? Did you know this is a real thing? And now she's like, ugh. You know, guys, when your wife goes, ugh, yeah, that's not good. She's like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, are you not impressed by this? Because I am. And she's just, and she's like, fine, I'll do it myself. I'm like, and so she goes downstairs, right? And now I'm like, starting to feel like I might be in trouble. <laughs> And so we're walking, I'm following her downstairs. I'm like, babe, there's no paprika. And I'm praying to God, please, God, let there be no paprika, please. 
like, God, if you love me, please show me now, you know what I mean? Because I'll never live this down. And we walk down, and she opens the food pantry door. She pulls out a bin that's like on the top shelf, and she pull, reaches in, and she pulls out this bottle, and it says, paprika. And I'm so angry. I'm like, what? I looked in that exact bin. It was not there 30 seconds ago. Like, I don't know what kind of witchcraft you're dabbling in, woman, but, you, man, you made that come out of thin air, you know? And then she, like, goes back upstairs, and I'm just like, well, I got organic cheese. You know, sometimes we miss things that are right in front of us, don't we? We miss it. We get so focused on the physical thing that we miss the greater spiritual thing. Now, we get focused on the organic Cheetos, and we totally lose sight of the bigger plan of what God is trying to do in our life, don't we? And I, th I see that with the elders here. They, they, they are so excited about their synagogue, their, their physical building that they worship in, that they completely miss that Jesus had come to create and to build a new church, not made of stone, but, to made, but made of hearts in which he would be the cornerstone. Yeah. You see, they were so focused on the physical building that they were missing the fact that he was, he was creating a new building. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. See, they, they were so focused on their physical church that they were missing out on the spiritual church. They were missing out. They were so focused on the stones of the centurion that they were missing that amongst them was the chief cornerstone, the one in whom we are to measure all of our life by, the one in whom we were to build it all on. And they were missing it. In church, how often do we miss it? It's right in front of us, but we miss it. God has a plan. God is sovereign, but we're so focused on all of the stuff happening around us that we often forget that there's a greater work, a greater plan that's happening all around us. Colossians 3 verse 2 says, set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And Romans, 5, or Romans 8 verse 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh... They set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. God has a plan. And it doesn't always, man, life doesn't always go the way we think it should go. It doesn't always work out the way we want it to work. Sometimes it's really hard. Sometimes it's really difficult. Sometimes it's really painful. But the good news is that God is sovereign in it all. And though we can't see it, though we don't know it, he has a plan. And we gotta take a minute and put down the organic Cheetos and put our eyes on Christ and realize that he has a plan. He's in control. He is sovereign, church. The third characteristic of Christ that I see here is that he gives grace. The centurion recognized this beautifully. I, I love this. He says uh, in verse six, and Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. So the elders were saying, hey, this guy's worthy because of all that he had done. And the guy who had done all of those things is saying, I'm not worthy because of who you are. And so, church, this happens to us all the time as we fail to recognize God's incredible grace in our life. We get focused on the physical. And as a result, what happens, even as people in the church and followers of Christ, we begin to relate with God through the physical. And we think, okay, uh, it's all about, uh, you know, what we're doing, right? Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mark had said this and it's been ringing in my ears ever since. You know, we, we, we have a tendency... Within, our, like, within religion to think that, okay, uh, if I do good works, then God will owe me. And if I do bad things, then I owe God. And we have like this uh, a mindset where it's like an economy of works that's happening. But church, we have to understand that it has absolutely nothing to do with that. You see, the elders were saying, hey, let's look at his works, look at his works, look at his works. And the guy who was doing all those works was saying, don't look at my works, don't look at my works, I'm not worthy. 
They're going, no, no, you're worthy. You're such a good guy. You do all these good things. It's like, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy at all. See, what happens is we get focused on this behavior modification rather than recognizing it's about changing our hearts. It's about the change of our hearts, not trying to just constantly correct behavior. But we do that. Even as, even as people who, who love the Lord, we, 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 we get into this mindset where we're like, okay, I've experienced God's grace. Now I, got, now I owe him. Right? Well, I've experienced God's grace, so now I've got to work harder. And, and, we, and we slip back into that works mentality so quickly, so easily. And, and, and so we, we, we do that. We think, man, I've got to... I gotta, I gotta pay. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta pay God back. I gotta try to earn His love. I gotta try to earn His favor. I gotta, I gotta try to. Man, maybe if I stopped doing this and I started doing this, maybe if I, uh, if I just could, if I could just stop doing that, and and if I could just, man, if I could just pray more, or read my Bible better, or just if I could just do these better things, then man, man, then God would accept me and love me. Church, you've missed it. We've missed it. It's not about behavior modification. The other day, <clears throat> I was uh, getting ready to leave the office, and, and Lauren uh, calls me. My wife, Lauren, she homeschools our two boys, so she gets up every morning, and she goes to war. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's got the, the most difficult job ever, and I get to go to work, and it's <clears throat> great. <laughs> but she called me, and... Uh, uh, she, she, I was like, hey, how's it going? And I could tell right away it wasn't going good, you know, when you get those phone calls. And she's like, you need to come home and deal with your children. <laughs> right? And I was like, oh, okay. It's been one of those days. And I'm like, well, what's going on? She's like, I mean, I've been having a hard time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell on my, my son a little bit, okay? So I hope that's okay, buddy. She's like, uh, Sam, Samuel is an amazing young man, very loving and respectful. <laughs> But he wasn't feeling it that day. And she's like, uh, man, I don't know what's going on, but Samuel's had a terrible attitude. He's not listening. He's not doing his school. And, I, and, and then I asked him to do something. He said no and looked away. Now, in my house, disrespect and disobedience, those are capital offenses. And they know that. You know, I mean, like, like a lot of grace and mercy, but now, <laughs> No. And so uh, I'm like, okay, okay, so I'll be home in a minute. So I, I, I come home. My favorite part of the day is when I come home because my boys are still uh, naive enough to, like, get really excited when I come home. You know what I mean? Like, like they're like, Dad's home, and they run, and, and they get all excited, and they give me big hugs, and it's the greatest thing because it's, like, the, my, biggest, like, like my, my biggest fans, you know what I mean? And they come, they, and so they're like, oh, dad. So they come, and they start running to give me a big hug, and I'm watching Samuel as he starts running towards me, and all of a sudden, he remembers why I'm home. <laughs> and all, that big smile kind of fades, and his head kind of sinks, and it goes from a sprint to kind of a ugh, grudging walk. And he comes up, and he gives me a side hug, and he kind of looks at me with those puppy dog eyes going, sorry, dad, you know? And I say, okay, bud, let's go have a talk. And so we go back into the bedroom and I say, hey, man, what's going on? What happened? And, and he kind of just shares with me, I don't know. I've just been, you know, having a rough day. And he was just telling me all the things. He's like, this is what I did. And, and, and he was going through it. And I, and I looked at him and I said, Samuel, why did you do that? And he says, well, I don't know. I guess I was just, I, I was disobedient. And I was, you know, I just didn't do what I was supposed to. And I said, no, 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 no. But why did you do that? He was kind of confused, like he wasn't sure how to answer that. And so I kind of coached him through that. You remember that? So I kind of coached him through it. And I said, Samuel, the re listen, that's not like you to act that way. I said, the reason why you did that isn't because you failed, isn't because you messed up, isn't because you made a mistake. The reason why you did that is because there's sin in your heart. And it was like a light bulb went off. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, dad, that's it. There's sin in my heart. I said, well, what do you think we should do about that? And he's like, I need to pray. I was like, all right, let's do it. And so he gets down uh, on his knees, and I get down with him, and he folds his hands, and he begins to pray. And just, man, just, 
Ah, just the the beautiful prayer of a nine-year-old, right? Just just raw and real and just authentic. And he just begins to pour his heart out before God and just says, God, please, uh, would would you help me to be obedient to my parents? God, would you please help me to have a better attitude? I don't wanna, I don't wanna be disobedient. I don't wanna dis I don't wanna do those things. And and he just begins to to pour his heart out before God, and it's just like, yes, this is awesome to watch, you know. And so he prays, and then he says, amen, and, and he stands up, and I stand up with him. He kind of wipes the tears away, and then never in, my mom, never in my life have I been so proud because he stands up after that, and then he stands up real tall, and he looks at me and says, okay, Dad, let's get this over with, and he turns around. <laughs> I tell you, I've never been so proud of him before in my life because in that moment, that little nine-year-old was acting like a man because he was taking responsibility for what he had done. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to talk his way out of it. He wasn't trying to wheel and deal. He wasn't, he wasn't hoping and, and praying, how can, I, how can I get through? No, 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 no. He was like, I, I've earned this, and so I'm going to pay it. Right? I'm, 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 I'm ready to take what I have coming to me. And he stands up tall. He's like, let's do this, man. And he, and he turns around, and he's ready for it. And so I put my arm around his shoulder and I said, I think you're good, bud. And he looks at me with all of, like, the most confused face ever. He's like, what? what? I was like, I think, I think you're good. And he's like, but I thought I was getting a spanking. I was like, well, you deserve a spanking. I said, but here, son, I could spank you every time you make a mistake and every time you do something wrong and we can discipline you every single time, but we'll just be, we'll just, but we gotta get to the root of the problem. It's not just about behavior modification. It's not about just what the works or the, or or, or all, it's about what's going on in your heart. And guess what? You just did that. You went, you recognized that it, man, you, you failed and you couldn't do it on your own and you recognized that you needed God to change your heart. See, we, and I said, that's grace, son. That's what Jesus has done for us. You see, man, we deserve the Father's wrath, but Jesus took it so we wouldn't have to. We deserve it. We owe it, the Bible says. It's the wages that we've earned. And yet Jesus paid the price so that we could experience the love of the Father rather than the wrath. That's grace. That's grace. And Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. The second you think you could buy it is the second you've missed it. It's a gift. You can do nothing but accept it. He walked out of that room as excited as any nine-year-old could possibly be, going, I can't believe this. I deserved wrath. And I got grace. He went right to his brother to tell him how excited he was. He went straight. Isn't that what we should do when we experience the grace of God? I got to tell somebody. When we recognize the weight of our sin and it's been paid in full, we go, holy cow, this is kind of awesome. I got to tell somebody. I got to do somebody. I got to smile. I got to laugh. I got to cry. I got to shout for joy. I don't know what to do. All I know is I deserve death and I got life. Oh, I love preaching to you guys. Romans eleven six says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basics of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. Man, you see, as long as it's about just trying to be better, we're under the law. And you'll carry that weight forever. Stop being judged by the law and start being judged by the law of grace. Start saying, okay, God, I'm not going to try to, it's not about me trying harder or doing better. Would you change my heart? There's, there's sin there. Would you change it? My heart's broken. It's messed up. It's, it, it's hard. Would you soften it? Would you give me a heart of flesh today? Would you, would you, would your Holy Spirit come and dwell in me? Because I'm the new, now I'm the new church. I'm the synagogue. Would you come and would you dwell in my heart and give me the strength to do what I cannot do on my own? You see, the centurion saw this. He said, I'm not going to talk about what I've done. I'm not going to act like I'm worthy because I'm not. It's only by his grace. It's only by his grace that I can receive healing. It's only by his grace that I can receive forgiveness. And so we see 
Christ operating in great grace. The fourth thing I see here is that he teaches us faith. This whole, this whole thing is this, this, this example of incredible faith. And in verse 9, it says, When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned to the crowd that followed him and said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. You see, it's only by faith that we can understand God's grace. It just doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up. Like, we don't get it. It's only in faith that we can, we can walk in that grace. It's only in faith that we can trust in his sovereign plan when everything else seems to be falling apart and hurting and broken. It's only in faith that we can say, okay, God, I trust you, and I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to walk in your peace. Why? Because you're sovereign. It's only by faith that we can do that. It's only by faith that we can uh, follow his example of humility and humble ourselves and put others above ourselves. Only in faith can we do these things. Only in faith can we understand these things. But we struggle with faith. We struggle with faith. Again, we're, we're, we're physical beings and we often, we want a physical sign, don't we? We, 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 if I could just see God, if, if I could just, if, if he was just a loud, booming voice, if he could just tell me, then I would respond, then I would walk in obedience, then I would do it. I've had so many people who are like, well, I, I mean, if God would show himself to me, then I would believe him. If God would just, if God would just, you know, if he would just give me a sign, and listen, God can give signs, and he does give signs, but, but what he's impressed with is when there is no sign required. Amen. That's faith. When I'm going to step out and I don't see it, I don't understand, I don't get it. You see, this blows my mind. Think about this for a moment. Jesus was coming to the centurion's house. So he was coming. So the centurion had this incredible opportunity to see Jesus. He was there. Jesus, he was there as Jesus walked the earth. They were in the same town, and Jesus was on, on his way to his house. He could see him. He could hear him. He could touch him. He could experience him firsthand, and he sends servants and says, don't come, because I don't need to see you. I just need, I just need, you, to, I just need you to say it. I just need to hear you. I, 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 don't need, I don't need to see it. I just need you to speak it. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You see, he understood. I don't need you to come to my house. I don't need to see you. All you have to do is speak it. That's it. That's all I need. I, I just need the word that brings life. And church, we may not be able to see Christ walking physically today, but guess what we have? Church, we have his word. And it's that word that brings faith. It's the hearing of that word that brings faith. So let me tell you today, if you're struggling with your faith, get into the word. If you're, if you're having a hard time having the faith, read the scripture. We have the word of God, and that is enough, church. You may never see a sign. You may never have a burning bush. You may never, never see the, 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 the Red Sea part before you. But can I tell you, you've got something greater. You've got the written word of God at your fingertips. Man, we're so selfish. Oh, but if I could just see a sign. Friends, this is the greatest sign you'll ever get. You could ever want. You could ever help, hope for. We're so, we, we, we so badly just want these other things. You see, the centurion, he recognized he didn't need any of that stuff. I just need his word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God, help us with our faith today. Jesus teaches us faith. And it's not the way we'd expect it. The fifth thing I see here, the fifth characteristic about Christ is that he is the savior of the world. This might seem like an obvious one, right? Verse 10, it says, and when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. So Jesus didn't come, but he sent the word. And, and, and through that, when they returned, the servant was healed. He was saved from his sickness. And church, we all are sick with sin, and only Christ can really heal us from it. Now, praise God, he is the healer, and we can look to him for all kinds of physical healing, but the greater healing is not the physical healing, it's the spiritual healing. Amen. That's the greater healing. Again, we all want the sign. We want the physical sign, but realize God is doing a greater work. 
There's a greater spiritual work. And so the greater work isn't the physical healing, it's the spiritual healing. And what I love here is that we, we he, he, yes, he saves the servant, right? He heals the servant from his sickness, but, but there's so much more that's happening as well. And so you have the servant, but you have the centurion who God is clearly doing an incredible work in and through. And then you have the religious people and the elders and, and you have all of these people and they're from all kinds of different places, I'm sure. All kinds of different backgrounds, all kinds of different upbringings, all kinds of different struggles, all kinds of different uh, 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 worldviews and politics and all of those things, but they all have one thing in common and that's that they all need Jesus. The, the, the suffering servant needed Jesus just as bad as the religious elders needed him. You see, church, we all need Jesus. We all have this one thing in common. Whether you are raised uh, in the church or you're raised on the streets, guess what? You need Jesus. And I may have never done drugs in my whole life, but I, I can relate a lot with the drug addict. Why? Because I need Jesus just as bad as he does. So there's no, like, hey, man, it's all good. Like, you need Jesus. I need Jesus, right? Like, I can relate with you because I need Jesus just like you need Jesus. The only hope that either of us have is Jesus. So don't look at me and just be like, well, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, no, but man, I deserve hell just as bad as you do. So, so spiritually, we're on the same level here. We need Jesus. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love Acts 4.12. It says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We can try. We have tried. We do try to be saved by all kinds of things, but there is only Christ he is the Savior. He's the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of us all. The last thing that I see about Jesus and worship team, you guys can prepare yourselves. The last characteristic here is not only is he Savior, but he's Lord. He is Lord. In verse 7, it says, Therefore, I did not presume to come to you, the centurion talking to Jesus through his messengers, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority with soldiers under me and I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it. You see, the centurion was looking to Jesus not just to be his savior but to be his Lord. He was going to Jesus and was saying, listen, I understand authority and therefore I recognize your authority in my life. That your authority is absolute and we don't always like that, right? Oh, I love Jesus, my savior. I want, to th I, want, I want to talk about Jesus, my Savior. I want to talk about, I, I want to hear how he wants to bless me and how he wants to uh, forgive me and how he wants to give to me. But hey, uh, I don't necessarily want to hear that he is the ultimate authority in my life. Ooh, Jesus, Lord, that's a little uncomfortable. I'm an American, I'm free, right? No, no, you're a Christian. You've been bought with a price. You belong to him. It's not for you. Your, it, it, it's not yours. It's his. We don't always like that. But he's Lord. If you want to know him as Savior, church, you've got to know him as Lord. You've got to understand that he, that means, listen, that means he's the boss. Not you. Not me. He is. He's the boss. It's his way or the highway, right? It's what he wants. It's about him. It's all about him. It's not, it's not about me. It's not about what can you do for me. It's no, Lord, what can I do for you? How can I serve you? Why? Because you've already done it all for me. You've already done everything for me. You've saved me. And I'm going to be Lord. Some, something's going to be Lord in my life. It might as well be you because you're way better. You're the perfect one. You're the ultimate one. Might as well be you. 
sovereignty, Lord, of your life. Philippians 2 says this in verse 9. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's Lord. All authority has been given to him. It's his. So it doesn't really matter if you like it all the time. Listen, I, I, I understand. Let's just be honest here for a second. When I read the scriptures, I often read things that I don't like. And you go, wait a second, aren't you a pastor? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean I like it all the time. But there's, there's often things, listen, sometimes I'll read the scriptures and I'll be offended. I'm like, oh, God, that's, that, that's really hard. That's kind of tough. I don't really like, that's uncomfortable. That's awkward, man. That's not really, that's not really politically correct. You know what I mean? Wait, who's Lord? Is it God or, or you? Because if he is Lord, listen, I don't have to like it. I don't have to understand it. I don't always have to agree with it. I just have to submit to it and say, okay, God, you're Lord, not me. You're the one who created morality, not me. So it doesn't matter. He, his name is above every name. His name is above my worldview. His name is above my politics. His name is above my justice. His name is above all of that thing. His name is above fairness. God's name is above it. All those things, they bow to him and say, you're God, you're Lord. He's Lord. But we, we don't treat him like Lord. We, hey, Savior. Hey, you know, guy who blesses me, miracle worker, yeah, all those good things, provider. Now let me do my thing. <laughs> oh, Lord, help you. Help us all. Here's the thing. Uh, there is something in your life that's Lord, whether you realize it or not. There is something in your life that's Lord over you. Is it worthy? Is it worthy to be your Lord? Let me ask you this question. Is Jesus worthy to be your Lord? Is he worthy to be called Lord of your life? Is he worthy for us to look at him as Savior? Is he worthy for us to give him our faith? Is he worthy for us to rest in his grace? Is he worthy for us to trust in his sovereign plan? Is he worthy for us to follow in his humility? Is he worthy? The answer is yes. Yes, he is worthy. And he is the only one that is worthy. However, we often don't recognize it. Church, if we understand anything about who Jesus is, we should understand today that he is worthy. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of all I am. He's worthy of all that I have. He's worthy of every single breath that I breathe. It's just a gift from him anyways. He is worthy today. I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not even worthy to have you come into the, under the roof of my house. You just say the word. You are worthy. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for this reality today that we serve a worthy God. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't do it the way I would have done it. You did it your way. And God, I pray that you would help us to recognize your worthiness in our life, in every area, in every aspect. Help us, Lord, to bow the knee to you as Lord over all, recognizing that only you are worthy. We thank you for that, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, if you would, stand to your feet with me. We're going to uh, sing this song. We're going to worship him as we do so. The altar is open. If you need prayer, maybe you need to make him Lord of your life right here, right now. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. You're not promised tomorrow. Make him Lord now. Make him Lord today. Uh, put your hope and your trust in him.
him alone. If you love, if you like prayer, I'd love to pray with you. Uh, let's worship together. You were the God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.